Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, y'all. 8.15 a.m. Central Daylight Time, May the 3rd, 2019. This is episode 92 of Bitcoin and... And if I sound rather groggy this morning, it's probably because I got a new bed. They delivered it yesterday. And oh my God, it's like one of those Sealy Posturepedic things. And oh man, dude, that is a comfy, comfy, comfy mattress. What's neat neat about it is that it it draws the heat away from your body. So if you sleep and you have a tendency to get hot, oh God. This thing, this thing is awesome, man. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm sounding a little groggy, it's because I got like one of the best night sleeps, uh, best yeah, best night sleeps of my life last night, and I'm still like, I've been up for like an hour and a half, and I'm still like going, oh my god. Although that said, uh, let's take this this intro time to talk a little bit about quality control. And furniture delivery and furniture stores. Yeah, uh, Ashley Furniture screwed up my order so bad yesterday. It was like I, I've been waiting two weeks, something like that, for furniture to come in. You know, which is, uh, it's okay. I get it. I get it. Because we don't, we don't operate like the days when my parents were alive when you ordered furniture, it came pretty much the next day because they took it out of the showroom, put it on a truck, and shipped it to your house, you know, in from the same city. We don't operate that way anymore, supply chains and all that. So when we got our furniture delivery, <clears throat> delivery, they didn't have, like, the dining room table, but they did have all the chairs. And my question to the person on the phone when I called about it was, why Why was I not notified that uh, my dining room table wasn't going to be on the shipment because I disassembled my dining room to make room for the dining room table? And your usual, well, sir, this and well, sir, that, and we can't do anything for you. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, whatever. 30 minutes later, they're unwrapping a brand new mattress, pulled it out of the box, to find a huge scuff mark right in the middle of the damn thing on the sleep side and had me come out and look at it. And I'm like, this just gets, this just gets worse and worse. And then they, they promised me that, you know, it was like that the damage was minimal. And I looked at it and it was, it was just a little bit of black scuff mark on it. And I said, as long as it doesn't void the warranty and, you know, then I'm actually good with it. So they go through all the motions to set up the bed, put the mattress on it. When either they get a call from Ashley uh, to give them further direction on this, or they called Ashley just to make sure. 
And then they come in after I'm about to put sheets on the bed and say, you know what? Don't even bother. We're taking it back. And I just look at the guy go, where the fuck am I going to sleep tonight? I mean, think about that. It's like, what the hell? I got my bed broken down. I got the dining room table, the dining room broken down. Everything is like in the garage. And I do not feel like reassembling all this crap to wait yet another week for all this stuff to be replaced. I got on the phone with their manager and read him the riot act because this kind of crap is, is we are allowing really bad behavior in businesses. Uh, and we have been doing so for so long that they don't understand why it is that they not the ability to not perform quality control. When you're putting somebody's order in a box or on a truck your customer service mandate is to make sure that everything is there and that everything is of the highest quality that it can be. So the delivery guy's looking at me going, well, we, we did that. We make sure everything is on there. He's like, but the mattress was in a box and we can't see what happens after it took it out of the box. No, you take it out of the box at the store. You inspect the thing. If the thing is not up to snuff, you call the customer and say, the thing is not up to snuff. We are sorry. We will do everything we can to make it right, but we are not going to waste your time or ours in delivering an inferior product. How hard is that? Is that difficult? Because when I worked shipping items with a buddy of mine, I got one item wrong. And after that day, I constructed a triple check procedure for me and anybody else who worked there to go through so that you were triple sure that what you put in the box was not only of the highest quality, but everything that needed to be there was there. It was not that hard. And it was our commitment to make sure that our customers did not open a box and have to immediately pick up the phone and call us and tell us we got it wrong. So I don't get it. I'm what I'm seeing in <clears throat> in retail and general business attitudes in the United States and I don't know about the rest of the West but at least in the United States it is crumbling before my eyes. I am seeing some of the worst activity in business that I have ever seen. And it's almost as if they're offended that I am irritated that they've wasted my time and that they've put me in a predicament where I may not be able to eat at a dining room table that night. I may not be able to sleep in my bed because they didn't have the shit together. Okay. So there's the rant for the morning. Let's got get on into some company, at least one company that is doing really good work. And that's try Lolly. Lolly has a tweet up here says, I love that Bitcoin continues to slowly increase in price over the last six months. Many of our users started earning mid-December when the price was around 3500 Our users, many brand new to Bitcoin, have gotten to see Lolly largely beat their comparable cashback earnings. And they're just, I mean, it's a, it's a simple analysis of the price chart right now. And if you haven't, if you haven't checked the face ripping price rise uh, to somewhere in the order of fifty seven fifty somewhere around there, then yeah, go look at it, <clears throat> get your face ripped off, and then uh, and then come back. 
But Trilolly, if you don't know what Trilolly is, it's a way to connect with vendors and earn points. But those points are actually not points for buying stuff. It's actually Bitcoin. <clears throat> it's real easy to do. Go to at Trilolly, T-R-Y-L-O-L-L-I, and get uh, look at their Twitter account, and it will have all the instructions on how to get and uh, get to the place where you need to get further instructions to activate Trilolly. But yeah, so anybody who was earning uh, Satoshis back in uh, mid-December when they launched this thing have uh, seen a substantial increase in the valuation of their points have, have the, if they haven't sold any uh, of their Bitcoin yet. Uh, by simply purchasing goods and products through vendors that are affiliated with Trilolly. It's like a giant ref link when you get right down to it. But at least they deliver on what the, what they say they're going to deliver on. And you can actually buy shit at Walmart, okay? So let's look at that one. Um, somewhere in here, yeah. Uh, speaking of Trilolly, uh, they also have a tweet that says, <clears throat> you can stack sats. When you buy a Ledger wallet from Walmart, which brings us into two things. One, Wally is affiliated with Walmart. So anything that you buy online at Walmart, you're going to get Satoshis for, okay? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to order something from Walmart and treat it like Amazon where whatever it is that you order, it ships in the mail. No, 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 no. You can actually stack sats through Walmart by buying your groceries online and then going down to the damn store and picking it up, <laughs> which I think is really cool. The second thing is, is that I had no idea that you could buy a, a ledger hardware wallet at fricking Walmart. So adoption people adoption. Let's see what's next. <clears throat> we got Brian Armstrong hanging his ass out for everybody to see by being the vulture that he is concerning the tether stuff. Again, I am not for or against Tether. My only known use case for something like this is trading uh, trading coins and altcoin trading and shitcoin trading, and I don't do that, so I don't care. However, it has come to light that there are more use cases for stable coins than I thought. I kind of still don't care, but... Maybe some people will do cut a podcast or something like that that will explain the ecosystem of stable coins, why it is that it's not only used for trading and get in and, and rip into the, the, the meat of that stuff. Because even though I kind of don't care, I kind of don't care because I'm more ignorant about it than I think I am. And therefore, there may be something there. I doubt it because I kind of just don't care. But be that as it may, it would be nice to hear, you know, some of our favorite podcasters kind of rip into what the hell a stable coin is and why I should give shit one about it. All that said, Brian Armstrong tweets <clears throat> with the con confirmation that Tether is not fully central collateralized. My hope is that the industry graduates to more trustworthy stable coins, including Coinbase.com's USDC. One more piece of reliable infrastructure to help build the open financial system. So the vultures are circling. Tether's a sick. Bitfinex is sick. <clears throat> they may be dying. I don't know. They're at least they've at least caught a cold. 
and vultures in the Southwest United States and many other places in the world, you can tell an animal is sick from miles away without even seeing the animal because you see vultures like Brian Armstrong circling in the sky, carrion eaters, all of them. Let's get into the Fortune <clears throat> Fortune magazine. This is fortune.com. Will gold investors buy Bitcoin? A drop gold TV campaign bets they will. And of course, they're re- referring to Barry Silbert's Grayscale Investments uh, drop gold commercial, which hit, I think, the day before yesterday. This is, yeah, this is May 1st, 2019. So it is the day before yesterday. This is Jeff John Roberts. <clears throat> is it better to hoard gold or Bitcoin? The cryptocurrency company Grayscale is making the case for Bitcoin with an unprecedented multi-million dollar marketing campaign that includes a year of national TV commercials. A year? Wow, man, I didn't realize they were planning that. The campaign, which is called Drop Gold and kicked off on Wednesday, features a 39-second commercial that shows a man and a woman who race frantically around a financial district while people around them are weighed down with bulky gold. Quote, why did you invest in gold? The ad asks, are you investing in the past? <laughs> According to Grayscale, the ad, which you can watch below, will run all year on broadcast and cable networks and on streaming services like Hulu. The company will also be advertising heavily on social media sites. <clears throat> all of this amounts to a bold bet that the ad campaign will produce enough new Bitcoin buyers to offset Grayscale's major marketing expenses. But how many people will actually be persuaded to give up investing in gold in favor of Bitcoin, a digital currency that exists only as bits of computer code? Unsurprisingly, Grayscale CEO Barry Silbert, whose company will profit if investors drop gold for Bitcoin, thinks people will make the leap. In his view, Bitcoin is a superior store of value because, as the commercial suggests, it is a lighter and more practical way to hold a long-term investment. Silbert also believes a generation who grew up with the internet is less enamored with precious metals. Quote, what's a 23-year-old going to do with a gold bar? I'm highly confident they're going to sell it, he said, adding that he believes those who receive gold as an inheritance in coming years will seek other investments. Currently, the total value of gold in the world is worth approximately $8 trillion. My God. While the current supply of Bitcoin is worth around $95 billion, suggesting the digital currency has a long way to go to catch the yellow metal. You know, it also has like 6,000, 10,000 years to catch up on, man. Give it a break. God. Gold, of course, has also been prized since biblical days, while Bitcoin is barely a decade old. Gold's pedigree is a big reason a certain class of investors, known as gold bugs, view it as a way to own something that will hold its value even if conventional assets like stocks and bonds collapse. It's unclear how many gold bugs would put their trust in Bitcoin instead. Silbert, however, believes people are underestimating the shift in generational attitudes and notes that Bitcoin has risen 45% in value since the start of the year, while the price of gold has basically been flat. Of course, the price of Bitcoin dropped over 80% following the bubble of late 2017 when it hit nearly 20000 Currently, Bitcoin trades at around 5300 Well, not as of today. Silbert also attributes much of, the world's, much of the market interest in gold to an aggressive marketing campaign by the World Gold Council. 
the industry trade group that helped promote the first gold ETF in 2004. The arrival of the ETF coincided with soaring gold prices, and many think the same will happen if regulators approve an ETF for Bitcoin, though the Securities and Exchange Commission has emphatically refused to do so. Quote, question what you've been told by the World Gold Council for the last 20 years. We're not suggesting you should go sell your Microsoft stock and buy Bitcoin, but it should be an allocation. That's an odd quote. Grayscale's marketing campaign will nudge people towards the company's Bitcoin trust product, which is traded on the OTC markets. But Silbert says he is confident in if other cryptocurrencies firms, which sell Bitcoin directly, typically at a lower price, benefit from its marketing campaign. So do I think you should sell all your gold and buy Bitcoin? No, not really, because most of the people that I'm talking to don't own gold. We, we talk about gold. I mean, it's not a useless, it's not a useless thing. I don't hate gold. There are some problems with storing a vast amount of wealth in gold, though, because you got to store it, you got to secure it. And then when the time comes, sometimes you got to move all of it at once, i.e. UT or University of Texas, um, famously a few years ago repatriated well i don't think re, i don't know if repatriation is the correct term because it came from a vault in new york but basically they had to ship all their gold from uh, a holding some central holding facility all the way down to texas and then they had to find a secure arrangement to store stack those uh, bar, bars of gold and then continuously protect it under high security means. And every that is an ongoing operational cost. What I don't like, the only thing that I don't really like about gold is really two things. It's operational expense because it's as long as you hold it, unless you have like maybe a couple of coins in a gun safe, but I'm talking about institutional level shit here, people. <clears throat> if you've got thousands of pounds of this stuff, operational ongoing operational costs are a thing security guards security systems rent to put you know in a, in a, in a vault the building of the vault buying of the vault if you're not going to rent i mean it's it, it's not an inexpensive thing right so from that from those standpoints i don't like gold but i like gold jewelry i like the fact that it's malleable i like the fact that it transmits heat it transmits electricity it does not degrade that's the greatest thing about gold is it has like the lowest oxidation coefficient on the face of the planet when it comes to metals maybe platinum's a little bit better but even silver you know tarnishes at a faster rate but even then it's not like it's just going to melt in your hands right so there's there's some practical things about old owning metals i don't have any because I don't want to store it. I don't want to buy a safe. I, I, I've, I've got my, I've got my hardware wallet, you know? And <clears throat> so I think it's, I think that the effort by, by Barry is, is interesting. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what impact, if any, it actually has, but it probably will because it does not look to me like he's messing around here. So we'll, again, it will be one of those things where we will just have to wait and see what's next. Uh, Wired, oh, okay, so Zach Vol has uh, tweeted out, Wired has updated their 2015 article to reflect that Craig Wright is indeed not Satoshi. <laughs> and then he gives a link to it. Um, 
and I'm not going to get all into this, uh, but I am going to read the read the update. This article is from Wired. It was originally written uh, December eighth, twenty fifteen. So we're talking about like you know, like four and a half years ago, or or four three and a half years ago. Is Bitcoin's creator <clears throat> this unknown Australian genius? I think that was the original title. The new title reads, is Bitcoin's creator this unknown Australian genius? Probably not, parentheses, updated. (laughs) Okay, so editor's note, as of April 30th, 2019, in the days following publication of this story, Wired published an update that identified inconsistencies in the evidence supporting the notion that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto. Wright later came forward to claim that he was indeed the creator of Bitcoin, but offered some evidence that appeared to be fraudulent careful wired he's going to sue you this piece has been updated to clarify Wright's claims and the headline has been changed to make clear that wired no longer believes Wright is likely to be the creator of bitcoin so throw that cat under the bus right there pals on up square just reported a record 65.5 million dollar in quarterly bitcoin sales assuming average bitcoin prices in Q, first quarter of 19 that translates to $17,000 worth or 17,000 worth of btc volume up over 70% since the fourth quarter and 5x the volumes in first quarter of 2018 Impressive considering April's run hits second quarter's numbers. That's from Ryan Todd, underscore R-J-T-O-D-D. Um, and he simply is just pointing out that Square Cash uh, purchases of BTC are just on a... It's a parabola. It's a parabola. Well, okay, no, it's not a parabola. We'll call it an ellipse. But yeah, I mean, like in the first quarter of 18... 300 or $34.1 million worth of BTC were purchased. That ends up being 3,202 BTC. It has gone up steadily. And in the first quarter of 19, they've reported $65.5 million or 17,269 BTC has been sold through Square to their, uh, uh, to the people that use it. And I am one of Square's users and this is how I buy all of my Bitcoin now, I refuse to use Coinbase because I don't feed the vultures, right? Anyway, the numbers look good for Square, but there's a lot of people that are tweeting out these graphs about how it's going. they're going to be able to sell two Bitcoin for every one Bitcoin mined if the numbers, you know, keep going like this. And I don't know if, I, I hope they are just tongue-in-cheek joking this kind of stuff. Because clearly that's not possible. Um, what would happen is that the what would happen is that the elliptic of the amount of value of sales in USD would continue to rise, and you'd get a plateau of how much BTC that they can actually sell, unless some weird shit comes out that somehow or another there's an inflation bug. But I I don't. <laughs> Don't go, you know, freak out, you know, just yet because that is really, really, really highly unlikely. But it doesn't help that these people are tweeting out like, you know, redone graphs of this cash app thing suggesting that they're going to be able to sell more Bitcoin than is mined or will sell like 
you know, end up selling 42 million because that's not, that's not the way math works, especially when you've got two variables at play. You've got one variable that they, they'll actually, it's not even really variable. We know the inflation rate of Bitcoin, but that's in comparison to the price, the price in USD or other fiat. And because of those two things, one is going to plateau and the other one is going to continue on the elliptic. Care to guess which one's going to do what? Well, I'll leave that one to you. BTC King 555, which is our man in the field when it comes to anything to do with Jihan Wu and Bitmain, says breaking. TSMC did not give Bitmain capacity. All given to 5G customers. There is nothing until the fourth quarter. Bitmain has ruined reputation and TSMC puts it in a low priority customer list. Antminer 17 will be in very limited capacity. Okay, yield wafers, perhaps 1,200 at most. That's peanuts. He goes on to say, sources say Dr. Yang, who led S7 and S9 and left to start Shenma, has better chip on 8 to 10 nanometer nodes. Letting Dr. Yang and his team go was probably as dumb as selling all of the BTC and going all in for BCH. And of course, there's there's no general source because BTC King does not work that way. Um, and he gets a lot he gets a lot of shit or she wh- whoever what whatever it is uh, gets a lot of shit all the time about releasing these things and people go well you're not releasing a source so therefore you must be full of crap and then it turns out that BTC King was exactly right. So if the trend continues and BTC King 555 is uh, right about this just as much as you've been right about most other things, it doesn't look good for Bitmain, man. It, it really doesn't. And that's just a shame because they, it just shows how easily, A, how easily you can damage your stand financially just by betting on a shit coin and doing, you know, doing stupid things like that. Okay. Don't do that. But second, and I've talked about this before, nobody seems to realize the flammability uh, coefficient of reputations in this space, but Jihan is about to learn his, if he hasn't already. Um, advertisement, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this, but money, a lot of, or a lot of money, uh, is a graphics, uh, a graphics designer of, um, probably some of the best quality that I've seen. And I've seen a lot. He has a tweet out there that says proper Twitter hygiene specialists advise you to consult a graphic designer at least twice a year for a rebranding of your page before disaster strikes. DM me for a consultation. Please retweet for the common good. Did I retweet this? I didn't. I am retweeting it now. All right, so money underscore Alotta, M-O-N-E-Y underscore A-L-O-T-T-A, um, has, in that tweet, has given a video, basically what's called a showreel, um, which is a, um, eh, for those of you who don't know, a showreel is what an artist will put together that basically portfolios their work, especially if it's uh, in, in any kind of digital capacity, which is, most of it now, although there's, there's still a shit ton of traditional artists that don't use Photoshop and, and all kinds of other stuff. But anyway, um, I wanted to definitely shout out to money a lot of, because his work is top notch. 
He's done a lot of work for, or he's done banners and, and uh, whatnot for a lot of Twitter accounts that I follow and they're always good. So check them out, man. Go over to uh, money, a lot of money underscore a lot of on Twitter. And uh, he will be able to point you to show reels and whatnot like that. Um, a second ad <clears throat> advertisement is for get on honey miner. Get on honey miner has a request uh, to go to uh, product hunt and follow at get on honey miner, which is the same handle, same Twitter, same as the Twitter handle, but this is on product hunt. And they're saying that they're going to release something shortly. So keep an eye out for that. Those are the, those are the break ads for now. Let's get back into the morning roundup. Saifedean has a nice tweet, uh, tweet out there. It says attention, no coiners, shit coiners, and full-time concern trolls. <laughs> you cannot claim Bitcoin isn't scaling unless you find a cheaper, faster, and more secure way for the final settlement of $200 million US anywhere across the planet. All your government and private shit coins are strictly inferior. <laughs> He's retweeting, uh, who is this? Thundermimble, who has a screen capture of a, of a uh, block explorer um, uh, transaction that came across. And he's saying, Bitcoin is truly amazing. $212 million US moved. No hassle. Transaction cost? USD, four bucks. MoneyGram, Trace Mayer, Safedine, Western Union, hashtag unbelievable. And he's got a screen cap of the actual transaction and the hash and the block ID. This was in block 574067. It was done uh, May the 1st at 9.20 p.m. UTC. Input count was 21. Output count was 1. 40,000 BTC moved on that thing. Think about that. Push the send button and send 40,000 BTC. Think about that. Close your eyes, rock back in your chair and think about entering the amount to send 40,000 Bitcoin. And then hover and then imagine hovering your finger over send. <laughs> and as many times as I've never been hosed by a transaction, I always, 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 even if it's like 50 bucks, I always sit there and just kind of wonder, you know, it's, it's always in the back of my mind. Like, will this be the, will this be the time that a transaction gets stuck? Will this be the time that I find out something is horribly wrong with everything in the world? And it never happens. It always goes through. I've never had a problem sending Bitcoin. But still, I just wonder what sent, trying to send $212 million and having it on the other end of the world inside of like an hour would be. I just, I, again, send $212 million worth of gold and see how much it actually costs you to do that. Again, Barry has a point. Don't go sell all your gold. I'm just saying it may be time to, to allocate a little bit of money into Bitcoins, all I'm saying, not, not investment advice. Uh, the United States government requests detention for defendant at center of Bitfinex imbroglio. Imbroglio means highly embarrassing, by the way. I didn't know that. 
I've only seen imbroglio as a word used like four times in my life. <laughs> U.S. government requests attention of defendant at center of Bitfinex imbroglio describes, quote, master U.S. workbook. This is the block crypto from, uh, where did they get this from? Oh, it doesn't look like it says. Uh, the man at the center of the of an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office has been described as a serious flight risk in a new court document obtained by the block. Reginald Fowler was hit with charges of bank fraud and operating an unlicensed money transmitting business by the USAO in the April 30 filing. The bank fraud counts carry a maximum sentence of 30 years and are related to Fowler's alleged failure to return $851 million U.S. as part of the relationship between his shadow bank and crypto capital, which is alleged to have outstanding obligations to Bitfinex, according to the prosecutors. And then it gives a definition of when you can actually ask for people to be detained because flight risk, et cetera, et cetera. It continues, the government alleges that Fowler was central to the scheme that reportedly impacted Bitfinex and therefore has significant means to flee the country. Quote, defendant has access to millions of dollars in bank accounts around the world. The government, through email search warrants, has obtained a document entitled Master U.S. Workbook, which details the financial operations of the scheme as of January 2019. This workbook indicates that the scheme had received over $740 million U.S. in 2018 alone. It lists approximately 60 different bank accounts held at both domestic and international banks with a combined account balance of over $345 million as of January 2019, end quote. The USAO asserts that Fowler has all but unlimited means to exit indefinitely outside of the U.S. and is likely to face additional criminal and legal proceedings. As a result, they requested Fowler be detained. What's wrong with any of this? Bank accounts. You'd think... At one point or another, through this whole mess, that there would be some mention of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on, oh, I don't know, hardware wallets, laptops, other wallets. No. No. Not at all. How you can be this neck deep in this kind of thing and still be dealing with bank accounts and not understand that you, as much as we do not like Scammers, okay? This guy's not a good person. I, I doubt very seriously this guy's going to end up being like Mother Teresa on a stick, right? No, 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 no. Bad guy. However, one of the things that Bitcoin is good for is uncensorable transactions. And generally speaking, if you do it right, really hard to track transactions. Why on earth are you keeping all your shit in a bank account? So I I hope I hear that this guy has, you know, some hardware wallets with Bitcoin on it, because when they seize all these bank accounts, he's going to be right back into the boat or, or he's going to be sitting in one of the seats of the boat that Satoshi Nakamoto basically sank and he got crawled right back into that boat. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just. Sorry, a little little hiccup there. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it because it just seems odd that you would not use the tool of Bitcoin to circumvent this exact thing from happening to you. I, it's like, Jesus, people. Okay, uh, speaking of, 
Speaking of nefarious people dealing with nefarious people, we've got a CoinGeek.com article. I would not normally read CoinGeek.com because if you do not know, it's Calvin Ayer's rag. All right. And if you don't know who Calvin Ayer is, you're just going to have to go look up uh, Calvin <laughs> Calvin Ayer. Uh, this was uh, posted yesterday on that trash site, uh, May 2nd, 2019. Uh, I'm not even going to give credit to the person that wrote it because they're working uh, for some, they're working for somebody who's not a good person. Roger Bitcoin Jesus Ver is the latest target <clears throat> in Dr. Craig Wright's pursuit of justice. <laughs> mm. Whatever pursuit of justice against those that seek to deny his claim of being the individual behind the pseudonym. Satoshi Nakamoto, the founder of Bitcoin. God, let that roll over in your head. Dr. Craig Wright's pursuit of justice against those that seek to deny his claim of being X. Think about that. I mean, really, man, tumble it around in your head. I'll read it one more time. Dr. Craig Wright's pursuit of justice against those that seek to deny his claim of being some X. Jesus. Uh, on Thursday, Ver, who resides in Japan, attended a hastily organized Bitcoin cash confab at a London watering hole billed as a social event with formal, without formal talks, panels, or debates. It ended up being slightly more than that when Ver was served with legal papers by Dr. Wright's representatives. Now, this is a case where I kind of wish Roger would pull his jujitsu and shit out and just pin these assholes to the floor. I would love to see that. In either event, on May 1st, Wright's attorneys sent a letter to Ver and Bitcoin.com warning them that legal action would follow unless Ver agreed to make a public apology for his allegations against Wright. The video was ultimately deleted after one of Ver's Twitter followers pointed out that posting libelous material in Japan is both a civil and criminal offense, punishable by up to three years in prison. However, Ver has yet to issue the necessary apology to Wright, either via his personal online accounts or via Bitcoin.com. As a result, Ver was served Friday with Wright's libel claim, which was filed with the UK's Royal Courts of Justice, Queen's Bench Division, Wright is seeking 100,000 pounds in monetary damages as well as an injunction restraining Ver and any of his affiliated entities from making further allegations of this nature. He's seeking the same amount in his suit against uh, Peter McCormick, if you didn't know. He's like 100,000 pounds. I don't even know what this is anymore. 100,000 pounds is chicken feed, especially against, you know, Ver and even against Peter. Peter can shit 100,000 pounds in a couple of months' work for him, man. Whatever. In, in either event, <clears throat> for... <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> excuse me. For the record, prior to Thursday's actions, Wright has had never taken legal action against Ver, so it's unclear what the again portion of Ver's video refers to. Yeah, we know what it refers to, people. Regardless, it seems both unfair and unwise for Ver to lay blame for his other legal problems at Wright's door. 
the rest, I'm not even going to bother you with the rest of it because it's all BS. Everything out of Calvin Ayer and Craig Wright's mouth is just fraudulent crap. It's either he's either lying about emails or he's lying about not suing him before because they did so under the name of another company's entity. I think the, that lawsuit's still ongoing. Everything this man and his friend Craig Wright says should be taken and put into a brown paper bag, diesel poured upon it, crumpled up, thrown out, a, lit, lit on a window and thrown or lit out on fire and thrown out a window because everything about this is just garbage. It's just pure garbage. Um, let's see. What's the next one? Oh yeah. Uh, decryptmedia.com has uh, an article here about this saga with Bitfinex. Let's get into this one. This was done by Tim Copeland. It was uh, published yesterday, May the 2nd. Again, this is decryptmedia.com. Crypto capital is slowly emerging as the central bank of the crypto industry. It facilitated banking services from one end of the industry to the other, including the now defunct Quadriga CX and a number of smaller companies implicated in money laundering schemes and fraud. And according to the New York Attorney General, it still serves crypto exchange Bitfinex. Whereby the end whereby the end of 2018, it was managing more than one billion dollars US of the exchange's clients and customer funds. Two people allegedly related to crypto capital were charged with money laundering on Tuesday. The feds claim that the pair ran a banking scheme for crypto companies, which involved Global Trading Solutions, LLC, a company that had been identified as one of the shell companies owned by crypto, crypto capital and used by Bitfinex. The scheme allegedly involved running a shadow bank that processed hundreds of millions of dollars in un, of unregulated transactions on behalf of numerous cryptocurrency exchanges. The unregulated Panamanian company has been providing banking services without a license to crypto businesses around the world for years, the indictment said. But where did crypto capital come from and who's really behind it? Origin story. The idea for crypto capital was first broached in a Reddit post by Redditor Bitfan2013, almost exactly six years ago, according to Matthias Gonebeck. No, Gronbeck, I can't pronounce it, the CEO of open financial infrastructure company Braveno. He became obsessed with the anonymous company last year and started sleuthing. He argues that the trail begins with a May 2013 Bitfan 2013 post. The anonymous Redditor claimed that he and his family sat on the board of directors for four small to medium-sized banks the Post proposed that, quote, a real fiat bank from scratch should be set up by Bitcoin users, miners, merchants, and developers for the purpose of doing business in Bitcoin and exclusively to virtual currencies, end quote. The poster even suggested the ideal location, Panama, a well-known haven for offshore companies. I wonder who else has been in Panama lately. Uh, uh, somebody needs to shine some candelabra light on that. A month later in June, Crypto Capital, under the name Crypto Financial, launched, registered in Panama. <clears throat> in August, it ran an IPO to raise 30,000 bitcoins, $300,000 at the time, via another Panama-based financial services company, Havelock Investments. Havelock 
specialized in Bitcoin-related IPOs and had a fund-selling share in the public offering on Bitcoin Securities Exchange, MPEX, for Eric Voorhees' Satoshi Dice, the popular Bitcoin-based gambling site. Satoshi, Satoshi Dice was later deemed an unregistered security offering by the SEC, and Voorhees paid 35 k in fines, U.S., <clears throat> agreeing not to participate in security offerings for the next five years. <laughs> I didn't know that part, not the five years part. Havelock Investments was also re- responsible for running an IPO for Neo and B, which was investigated for fraud by police in Cyprus of 2014. Cyprus, wow, okay. The founder, Danny Brewster, escaped the country allegedly with 140 Bitcoin and was never charged. After this article was published, Brewster got in contact with Decrypt and said the investigation was formally closed. Havelock Investments also announced in October 2015 that crypto exchange Coinapult, another Voorhees-founded startup, had been integrated with crypto capital, showing that Havelock Investments continued to have ties to the financial services provider in an interview with Decrypt. Voorhees said he met one of the key figures behind crypto capital in person in Panama around six years ago. He said he was otherwise unfamiliar with it as he had left Coinapult before it worked with crypto capital. He also said he had no relationship with Havelock Investments. Crypto capital was later acquired by Switzerland-based Global Trade Solutions, a UK-based company of the same name also lists Reginald Fowler, the other individual named by the DOJ indictment, as an, quote, associated person. God, this is all just looping back on itself, people. Global Trade Solutions was originally a management and consulting firm called Semicon AG Software Engineering. In November 2018, the company was renamed. The appointment of a nominee director, a front front man often paid to represent a shell company, appears on the Panamanian registration papers, Ivan Manuel Molina Lee. Crypto Capital filed a special a special need or filled a special need in the emerging crypto world. It provided banking services to crypto companies when traditional banks avoided them like the plague. The company quickly emerged as the go-to company for crypto businesses worldwide, despite being a mostly anonymous entity with no officers or address listed on its website. And it wasn't only marginally crypto, marginal crypto firms and fraudsters who used it. Plenty of reputable businesses signed on too. For instance, San Francisco-based exchange Kraken used crypto capital but terminated its relationship in early 2017. Christina Lee, the exchange's chief brand officer, told Decrypt in an interview. <clears throat> and oh, sorry. Uh, likewise, Binance CFO Z Weizhou told Decrypt that his exchange had used the banking services for a time. Quote. It is well established in the industry that virtual currency exchanges and businesses face significant challenges in identifying and maintaining traditional banking relationships. Bitfinex General Counsel Stuart Hogner said in an affidavit submitted Tuesday in response to the New York Attorney General's investigation into Bitfinex. But the company did show up in the worst quarters of the crypto world, too, and figure prominently in at least one major scandal, notably the now infamous Quadriga CX. The largest crypto exchange in Canada was a prized customer for the Panamanian company. It listed on crypto's website to this day. Quadriga CX was a customer when the Canadian exchange abruptly closed after the mysterious death of its CEO, Gerald Cotton, in December. According to chat logs between the Cotton and Quadriga CX head of operation, Aaron Matthews, it used it to store client money. I wonder if they did it with a contract. 
<clears throat> the principals behind Crypto Capital kept themselves well hidden. No team member were listed on the website, let alone anything else that might provide a clue about who was running the com- company. Still, for anyone who cared to look more closely, they would just run into the same dead end, finding the company was run by the same nominee director, Ivan Manuel Molina Lee. And I, it goes on, but that's, I mean, th- that's basically the meat of it right there, is that this is just a freaking mess, an absolute mess of epic proportion. And I doubt very seriously at this point that we're going to see this cleared up in, in, in the span of weeks. I am now looking at months, if not at least a year. And if dish crap turns out to be like, like a Mount Gox epic, then we're talking more like four or five years for this thing to unwind. Because this thing, not only are these threads looping back on themselves, they're tangling in ways that are in my view, are speci- are done specifically that way to make untang to make unwinding this damn near impossible in a legal setting. Uh, buckle up, people. Buckle up. That'll do it for your morning roundup. Vital statistics brought to you as always by bitinfo. By, uh, bitinfocharts.com. We got a face ripper going on. Bitcoin is at an average price of 5,823 with a high over at looks like it's going to be Bitfinex at $6,089 and a low is going to be over at GDAX at 5,742. So there's a, a fair amount of fair amount of stuff in there. And oh my God, 417,373 transactions in the last 24 hours. Holy smokes, man. That's 17,400 transactions per hour, people. 1.087 million BTC has exchanged hands in that last 24 hours with an average cent per hour of 45,000 BTC. Average transaction is 2.61 BTC, and the median is 0.0, uh, 0.019 BTC, which is around 100 bucks. Block time is low at 8 minutes and 31 seconds, probably because we're at 56 exahashes per second, people. I haven't seen numbers this high in uh, like months. Uh, we've had a 4.8. 5% increase in the hash rate in the last two hours. The last uh, GitHub commit to the code was yesterday, May the 2nd. Left to right, Ethereum is at 169, Bcash 296, Litecoin 80, BSV 54, Ethereum Classic 6.13, Dogecoin at 0.0027. With 30,000 transactions per second, Dogecoin is three times as value, three times as uh, useful as BSV, but is not coming close to the Bcash transaction level of fifty-seven thousand over the last twenty-four hours. And that'll do it for your vital statistics for the day. Let's do Marty's bent for yesterday, May the 2nd, 
2019, issue number 475. This is more about Cash App. Cash App turning into a giant, and then he re, he's got the, the exact same tweet. Let's see what Marty's, uh, Marty's bent is on this. Square dropped their quarterly earnings on the market yesterday afternoon and made the public aware of $65.5 million U.S. and BTC sales on the Cash App during the first three months of the year. Pretty impressive and consistent growth, if you ask Uncle Marty. I think a driving factor of Cash App's success up to this point has been the fact that the team seems to be laser-focused on perfecting the experience of making stacking sats as seamless as possible. It also helps that Square has the ability to lean on its core business so that so they can attain the level of focus needed to execute the Bitcoin buying experience. Being able to bootstrap a potential buyer base via pre-existing Cash App users certainly doesn't hurt. In my opinion, a very underscored theme being covered in the wake of Cash App's successful foray into Bitcoin is that they highlight an advantage already established companies may have over hopeful crypto native upstarts looking to grab market share. Large, successful companies with established revenue streams are able to leverage BTC as another consistent revenue stream without having to chase revenue via the even riskier altcoin markets as companies like Coinbase have been forced to do. Couple this ability to focus with ample capital and a pre-existing user base, and we may find that patient incumbents who have simply been waiting for confirmation that Bitcoin is here to stay maybe being around for a decade will be a big will be big for some of these companies uh jump into the fray and eat up significant market share we shall see this is just some random pondering and bitcoin core 0.18.0 is released his bent on that the latest version of bitcoin core is now live and in the wild time to upgrade your nodes we'll cover more of the features in the coming days and weeks final thought Daydreams of night swims have begun in earnest. Summer is coming. Yeah, I remember swimming at night. My uh, parents had a pool when I was growing up as a kid. And one of the funnest things in the world was swimming at night. I don't know what it is about it. But, man, there's just... I spent in the hot heat of the summer. And sun's down. And the pool lights are on. It's actually really, really enjoyable. So I agree with Uncle Marty on that one. people in honor of the face ripping move that bitcoin made last night i give you the big money
Daily Trainwrecked is in uh, audio is in audio format from uh, what's his name at Dan Spenya. I've never heard of Dan Spenya, but Dan Spenya is today's Daily Trainwreck. But one of the great calls I made is a year ago when Bitfuck was at nineteen thousand six hundred dollars. I said it's over. Smart money, sell half, keep half. My mentees lost billions. We got some bitfucks in there, I can tell. Too bad. Shows you the stupidity. And I know who's behind Bitcoin. And it ain't some fucking Japanese guy in a cave. I know the guy. And when that comes out, you heard it here first, Bitcoin is going to zero. Zero. When it comes out, zero. Seems pretty adamant, man. <clears throat> pretty adamant that he knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Who else have, what other fraudster have we heard say that they know who Satoshi Nakamoto is? This actually seems to me like it might be becoming a trend or something like that. I don't know. In either event, uh, that is, that dude is a train wreck. And I checked out his, uh, God, but his Twitter account, he's got like 19, close to 20,000 followers. He puts out a tweet after a month that has maybe two likes, no replies, and a couple of retweets. The guy gets like no engagement at all on Twitter after 20,000 followers. I got bupkis for followers. I like maybe 1,600 or something like that. And I get way more engagement off of Twitter than this dude gets. So he says he's like a wizard and some kind of magician and made, he's like the $50 billion man. You know, he's just another piece of crap in the field, blowing smoke and getting people in trouble. Don't listen to him. So your second train wrecked for the day, yep, you're right. <clears throat> you, you guys got a twofer, is uh, brought to you by Ryan Charles. Craig Wright has 17 degrees. And he's getting two more PhDs right now, simultaneously, while working a full-time job. He is the most serious lifelong learner and scientist I have ever heard of in my life. Inspiring. You know what's even more inspiring? Looking and understanding the academy at a very fundamental level and understanding that this doesn't occur in any reputable institution anywhere on the planet. There's not a chairman of a PhD candidates committee that would ever sign off being a chair of any committee if there was a competing committee on PhDs. In other words, <clears throat> if I'm getting a, a, a PhD in English and say, oh, and by the way, I'm also uh, getting a PhD in uh, computer science, Either the English chair or the the chair, the, the prospective chair of either one of those PhD committees would tell me to GFY and they would never speak to me again. They would not take me seriously as a student. They would not take me seriously as a PhD candidate. So I don't know where he's supposedly getting these PhDs from, but if this is occurring, I can guarantee you this, it is not a reputable institution. It is not a reputable institution. It's not a reputable institution. Okay? It doesn't matter how hard you work, how brilliant you are, or any of that. 
it's there's no way because your PhD committee chair will tell you in a heartbeat to GFY. So whatever that train wreck is, we shall now leave both of those in the smoldering pile of garbage in the corner that they are and move on to something a little bit better and more funny. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Bad Joke Cat. What are the benefits of moving to Switzerland? Well, the flag is a big plus. And after a train wreck like that, we need some kind of humor because wow, I mean double wow. All right, Satoshi's Treasure News. Uh, kind of liking how this rolls out where the big fun happens on Sunday, but there's little sprinkles of cool stuff that happened throughout the week. Uh, <clears throat> Faded Death uh, has a tweet out there that says, I would love to somehow see a Toshi Treasure hint released via an existing line in an old obscure movie or book to lead you to something. Well, have no fear because Matthew Zipkin says my band is playing in Oakland next week. Reminder, we have 0.0066 BTC locked in a Bitcoin brain wallet keyed by the last line of the chorus of our new song, Dawn on the Ice Planet. We even made it easy to sweep this to, with this tool. And so there you go. <clears throat> people are starting to really have fun with this kind of stuff. Now that's not directly the, the Matthew Zipkin tweet doesn't really, it doesn't reference Satoshi treasure, not even with a hashtag, but I, it somehow or another, it, it came across my thing and I saw it and it, it seemed to uh, combine with the uh, faded death wish of having something in, <clears throat> uh, it, you know, different ways to get these clues and, he got his wish. Excellent, or I'm sorry, uh, Excelion says, or Samson Mouse says, at Wheat Pond of Toshi Treasure, we'll be talking about the million dollar prize of Satoshi's Treasure at MCC 2019. That's the Magical Crypto Conference. And maybe dropping a clue to the attendees. The live stream could experience technical difficulties for a few minutes. Nice. Nice. Sounds like they're uh, getting them to drop a clue that only the attendees of uh, the Magical Crypto Conference could uh, be doing. I'm telling you, man, this Satoshi's Treasure thing has new advertising and marketing written all over it. Seriously, man, there is a. I just think about how to use th this is a tool that's been given to us by Satoshi's Treasure. I don't know if they understand. What a marketing gift from God this thing is, but it is. I hope they understand it. I hope that's why they're doing it. But there is no end to the permutations of being able to sell your product, get people to your conferences, sell you, shill your service, whatever. Now, look, don't be a shiller of crap and, and shit coins, okay? Have some, have some respect to your uh, potential stakeholders, but it's okay. It's okay to advertise. It's it's okay to shill as long as you're not shilling scams, shilling shitcoins, shilling altcoins, 
you're shilling like a really good service or, or a really good product, use this. Figure out a way to leverage Satoshi's treasure or make your own treasure hunt or, or figure it out, man. Everybody in this space is smarter than anybody else I've ever known. So I think you guys are going to be okay, but that'll do it for Satoshi's treasure for the day. Okay, people, I am out. Um, got my kids with me today. For some reason, school isn't in session today. I, 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 I don't know why. I never got this many days off when I was in school, so I, I don't know if they're lucky or not, to tell you the truth. But I love having my kids here, so I'm going to take them to go get donuts, which they love getting donuts. And then I'm taking them down to the Walmart to get some adhesive stuff so that my daughter can put her spirit poster on the wall because she is now 100% in love with horses. And since we live out in like on the edge of BFE where there's horse ranches and and stables everywhere, I think she lucked out. That's all I got to say. I think my daughter may have lucked out. Uh, I'm going to try to try to get her to, or uh, get her hooked up with some people that have farm and ranch operations out here uh, get her into uh, learning how to care for a horse, clean its uh, clean its hooves, uh, brush down its mane, brush down its tail. You know, basically your your basic uh, brush and curry that you have to do on a horse, and get her used to walking around animals that weigh oh I don't know twelve times her weight, sixteen times her weight, depending on the size of the horse. Um, sometimes. 20 times her weight. I mean, I've seen some, I've seen some very large horses around here. So, um, other than that, is there anything else? Oh yeah. Stakeholders. Uh, let's go back to my, my, my rant at the beginning of the show. Understand who your stakeholders are and do everything you can to, to think about your stakeholders before you do X, Y, and Z, or before you decide not to do X, Y, and Z. Because your stakeholders are the people that are gonna are, are going to come to your rescue in the end. And if you do things like don't do quality control, if you do things like um, deliver them a product that you know is always screwed up and, and you refuse to take any kind of advice or, or criticism and just keep on going, um, you're gonna lose your stakeholders. I mean, I will never buy another piece of furniture from Ashley Furniture ever again in my life because of this, because they, all they had to do was, you know, let's, let's check, let's check all the things that we can check and let's open the mattress box and let's slide it out. Let's inspect the mattress. And if it's good, we'll put it back in. And that way you avoid losing customers. It's very simple people. It's very, very simple. Your stakeholders are the most important part of your business life. And with that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.